Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. Happy weekend, everybody. Maybe the best weekend of the season so far with Arsenal dropping points last night. And Chelsea not playing this weekend. You're guaranteed happiness this weekend, I feel, as a Chelsea fan. Anyway, joining me on the pod to look back at another eventful week at Chelsea on and off the pitch is Tom Curley from Football London. Tom, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Nick. I've been saying for quite a while this season, less football is more football. Less is more we don't need to watch Chelsea three times a week. In fact, nobody wants to watch Chelsea three times a week. So uh, having a weekend off is actually quite quite blissful. Indeed. Indeed it is. As always, do guests, I get them to give themselves a plug. So, Tom, tell people where they can find you and all you work at Football London. Yeah, so on the Football London website, um, lots of pieces going out uh, there at the moment on a, on a daily basis. Manager search, reactions to everything going on at Chelsea. And I'm not trying to sugarcoat things it's mainly negative coverage to be honest um and then on twitter at tom cody 49 those links will be in everything the description else. yeah those links will be in the description as well as the blue crew pod but tom also tom also is a part of um right tom let's get to midweek real madrid we crashed out the champions league who saw that coming <laughs> i'm not i wasn't mad i wasn't really there was no sense of strong disappointment that game kind of went as I expected it and it's going to sound weird how I'd hope to expect it to go obviously not in terms of result because I would have hoped to see you know Chelsea progress but you know we kind of accepted that the tie was pretty much done after first leg. I was pleased that we saw effort which again when we talk about football is the bare minimum but that was one of the better performances we've seen this season probably it was certainly the best performance we've seen under Frank Lampard's interim spells so far. It's probably, you know, only maybe the Liverpool 0-0 with Bruno Salta was better than that game since since we beat Leicester 3-1 under Graham Potter, which feels forever ago now. Um, 
it just kind of, again, sort of summed up Chelsea season, that performance. But actually, you know, I was kind of proud, not I say proud, proud, strong, but I, I, I could not fault the players' really efforts on, on show. It was just what it was, and you just saw the golfing class. I guess what hurts and is a bit frustrating is we've not seen that enough this season. Yeah, that was almost a best-case scenario, you know, coming out for 60 minutes, as Lampard said, basically is probably the better team. Um, it surprised me quite a lot watching the highlights back. It, how many of the highlights in the first half were Real Madrid, but that just sort of shows how the game went. I think Chelsea sort of controlled the possession, controlled most of the play, but Real Madrid, as they do, sprung the counter-attacks so much quicker, so much uh, with such a more clinical edge that when they got going, they could basically just cut through Chelsea. But for, you know, when the team sheets came out just over an hour before kickoff, I think people would basically resign themselves if they hadn't already to losing that game and probably losing quite comfortably. But I think Lampard probably got it pretty much right on the night and you know the downside to having Kante and Gallagher as basically your pressing forwards is that when you win the ball back you've got Kante and Gallagher as your attacking forwards and that sort of does sum up Chelsea's season you know to try and get the balance right in order to do things well off the ball Chelsea's on the ball play then massively suffered and we've seen other times this season when they've gone heavily attack-minded I think back to the Brighton game with Probably the first time we saw Potter go with Pulisic and Sterling as wing-backs. Chelsea tried to go very heavily attacking and off the ball, it just doesn't work at all. That is Chelsea's struggle. There's no balance because the attack is such a hard thing to get right. I had no problem with the players. I had no problem with the effort. I had Chelsea gave it a good go. There were times where it felt like potentially something could happen. You know, if that Kante chance goes in, you just you just don't know. You put Real Madrid under some pressure. The chances are they respond like Real Madrid would. Um, it's just annoying that the game really was put to bed by a shambolic goal to concede. Um, like there were so many errors uh, in the build up to that goal that it's disappointing to see Chelsea concede in that sort of way. Um, but that's Chelsea Football Club in twenty twenty two twenty three, and uh, the season is now basically over. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Look, as I said, the lineup did did draw did draw questions. Um, you know, you're two 0 down and you feel bad lineup, but you know, one side, you know, the dust has held and the guys in the pub before and we're mates, and by the general consensus, like Frank, what are you doing? We're not two 0 up, we're two 0 down. Then when you see the game start and you kind of see how it played out, you're going, especially that first half, that first half went, you know, and Kante misses misses a chance, Pucarella misses misses that great chance at the end of the first half, and you're thinking, well, if one of those had gone in. And again, you can, you know, we talked about Tom earlier, you know, Kante being in those positions is not the play you want in those positions, but it's kind of a result of the, the team you've got out there. If one of those chances go up, then, you know, Chelsea won a lot, you know, half-time, whatever, and, you know, they're halfway there to to, to sort of, you know, getting the, taking the game to, to extra time. And from that sense, you know, I sort of got it. I guess my gripe would maybe been he waits, I say waits, obviously, you know, there's a period where, like, we, for five minutes, the ball doesn't go out of place, so we can't get him on anyway. But I would have probably, you know, maybe... Just been bold, maybe tried to make a bit bolder, maybe just go Mudrick on for Gallagher at half time rather than sort of wait for the, the 60 minute mark. I thought Conor Gallagher was absolutely yeah. fine midweek, to be fair. I had no cons him. It's just that his role in the game, in the game state for me, yeah. is probably done. Um, yeah, but... at, at some point you do have to, you do have to roll the dice, don't you? And the question is, are you better off being 2 0 down with 20 minutes left or trying to go for it with half an hour left or 
35 minutes left and risking conceding a goal earlier than that that's you know yeah, as it happens need, neither really happened in the end yeah because we, we, we didn't roll the dice and still conceded so. so yeah yeah indeed but look I said I could not fault could not fault the efforts look Tom I've got to speak I've got to speak now Tiva Courtois returned to Chelsea the villain but he plays the role so well getting cool to see you next Tuesday for basically 90 minutes straight um again I don't mean to be, you know, too brutal to to Kepa, who I don't, you know, I can't fault for any of the two goals we conceded this week. But, you know, the 4-0 aggregate scoreline, the reason it's probably 4-0 and his biggest 4-0 is partly reflected due to the brilliance of Thibaut Courtois. Maybe the question we have of Kepa in that first leg, because Courtois makes the big saves that's needed in this leg. You know, Real Madrid, you know, they weren't great. And I think Real Madrid probably did have gears to go through if needed. But Courtois stop that from being a potentially really nervy night for Amgen with the saves he made, with the presence he made. And we, you know, we saw in the first leg that save from Sterling, you know, which could have, you know, potentially changed the game if we'd gone up the other end and equalised. You just kind of see the difference in this competition, the levels between two two goalkeepers. And I mean, you know, it, I guess the reality is is just shown when one of them started in a Champions League final and one of them sat on the bench in a Champions League final. That kind of shows, I guess, the poles are part of, of where they are. Thibaut Courtois, he loves playing the villain act, but he does it so well. I actually respect, I actually rate it. And obviously, I'm not as much of a Thibaut Courtois hater as a lot of other people are. But yeah, Thibaut Courtois, the villain, the villain on the night, but he does it so well. Yeah, well, I mean, we were chatting about this earlier in the week and uh, I probably didn't refrain myself from having a go at Courtois in the ground, but I have nothing particularly against Courtois. Like, when did he leave Chelsea now? Six years ago, like... Come on, Chelsea have won the Champions League in that time. Courtois has gone on to be brilliant. Um, we got a good time out of Courtois. He left the time at when all of the other... We've been over the Courtois history. We know what it is. Yeah. He's a really good goalkeeper. And I think what's interesting is that... Uh, obviously, Chelsea are nowhere near as good as Real Madrid. But Courtois is... One of his big things is not being as comfortable with his feet as other goalkeepers. Like People would probably say that Kepa is better with his feet than Courtois is, which may well be a worthy comparison but Courtois is clearly so good at what he does I mean he won man of the match in the Champions League final last year like he almost single-handedly won Real Madrid that game he was so good and you just look and Chelsea have got Edouard Mendy still on the bench whether he's fit or not not 100% sure and you just think that there's got to there's no excuse now for Chelsea not really to be playing Mendy again and I don't want to get too much into that sort of thing but if Courtois is good enough with his feet, then Edouard Mendy is good enough with his feet for me. Um, it's not about that. It's about what you do in terms of saving goals. And Courtois did, he didn't keep Real Madrid in that tie, but he stopped it from being close. He, he, he saved the important moments. And, you know, Kepper, I would say, along with most of the rest of the Chelsea team in that first leg, were operable to some extent for the second goal, Marco Asensio's goal you know, the way that he gets a hand to it again and, and it goes in. And you just think Courtois makes that save. Courtois pushes that around the corner. He holds on to it. And it's the sort of thing that Chelsea have been missing now um, since Edouard Mendy fell out of form around about the Africa Cup of Nations. Obviously played pretty well in the two cup uh, in the cup final last year as well. But it, it's basically an encapsulation in one single player of how to deal with big moments, how to deal with pressure, how to deal with dogs abuse coming from behind you for 90 minutes on end. 
um, and how to still put in an absolutely world-class performance. And that's just something that not many Chelsea players have got in their locker at the moment. Yeah. So I do want to give some credit to because Wesley Fofana, I thought, actually showed up and had a really, that was a solid performance from, uh, I said on the pod, when we lost that first round, I thought he looked completely out of his depth in, in that first leg. You know, up against Vinicius Junior, booked early. He just, you know, looked a bit of a shambles, to be honest. But he was a lot better that second leg, I thought. Uh, so, look, some credit to him there. Um, Thiago Silva, oh, God, I just love him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just tough. Like, you know, Enzo, fair enough. I thought, he, you know, he looked, he was better. I, think it, it's, I guess Tom Brown, was, that tie was lost in the first leg. Although it was only 2-0, that tie was lost in the first leg. Not just with a not just with the result, but with that performance that we put in. Because you, yeah. And I know, obviously, the Bernabeu is different to Stamford Bridge in terms of environment, etc. And it would not going to be... It, it was, it's a different game situation as well for Real Madrid. But you just wonder if Chelsea maybe shown that fight that we'd seen, you know, just sort of a similar performance that we'd seen in the second leg of the first leg. I don't think it would have necessarily been different, but it might have been closer. There might have been something more to, to cling on to and more to believe in whereas that second leg be kind of going in needing a miracle really yeah it, it might have and that is that was ultimately the most depressing thing um about that first leg was just the sort of sheer inevitability of it like even though after the first 10 minutes which Chelsea started well it felt like both teams were like oh this is going to end 2-0 we might let's just let's just get to Stamford Bridge at 2-0 like Chelsea seemed to know it Real Madrid seemed to know it they really didn't kick on in that first leg at all, Real Madrid. Like they could have put Chelsea to the sword if they fancied it, basically. And I know after the game there was a lot of, oh, Chelsea did really well to stay in this game. Chelsea showed a lot of fight. And I'm like, well, well, yeah, but it's too late. You know, <laughs> like showing fight when you're 2 0 down and down to 10 men or 1 0 down and down to 10 men is not particularly a point to be that proud of. It's like a okay, well done. You you've done your job a bit Roy Keeney, but do you know what I mean? Like, um, the 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 levels of this Chelsea team have, have gone so low that sort of fighting for half an hour with 10 men at the Bernabeu and still losing 2-0 is sort of like, ah, oh, you know what, that was all right, wasn't it? Which is just, it just shows how far off Chelsea have become. And it is frustrating because you do just think, ah, oh, you know, that Sterling chance goes in one of those early counter-attacks and things might change or they might, Hope the Beast and Real Madrid come out and absolutely tear Chelsea apart. Fair enough. But Chelsea were beaten by a Real Madrid team that looked like they were already planning to play Manchester City in the semi-finals and they'd already put their hotels and everything before the tie even started. And you just wanted to see a little bit more oomph to it, a little bit more come on, a little bit more competitiveness and spirit. And it just wasn't really there, um, which is sad. But as I say, that is Chelsea Football Club right now. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And, you know, we crushed up Champions League going to be, you know, at least a year away from the competition, which is also quite, quite sad. Um... This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tom, season's over now, right? Yes. <laughs> like yeah. that was that was it. Seven games left. I mean, the fact that we're already talking about how we're happy Chelsea aren't playing this weekend is is quite telling in itself. Everyone is just kind of drained. And I guess really we just need to get that new manager sorted for next season, give the fans something to really just get, you know, excited about because it just feels like we're in a state of limbo right now and we're just sort of just wandering just aimlessly through to to the end of the season and it, who knows which way could have got, got. I mean, this, you know, reality is I'm not convinced we're going to see that level of performance what we saw against Real Madrid in these remaining seven Premier League games, which is also quite quite depressing. It is. I can imagine Stamford Bridge being a pretty horrid place to be for the rest of the season, especially given some of the games we've got. Um, I mean, you look on paper against, I think, our next six teams and you think, oh, well, we could pick up some points there. But almost every team we play between now and the end of the season has something to fight for. We are one of the... In fact, we're probably, maybe along with Crystal Palace, the only team in limbo in the whole Premier League. Everyone above us or below us, maybe other than Fulham and Brentford, have got something to play for. They're pushing for European football, they're pushing for the title, or they're pushing to avoid relegation. And I said this at least a couple of months ago, and it went down pretty badly on Twitter, but I basically said I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea just struggled for the rest of the season, simply because other teams have got more to play for, simply because these games mean so much to other teams and they mean very little to Chelsea. And I think we saw a little bit of that in Southampton Arsenal yesterday. You know, If that was a mid-table game against Fulham or somebody like that, Arsenal might have cruised past them, but Southampton have got their lives on the line. They're, you know, And with these relegation teams... Because of how close it is down the bottom, everything is so... It's it's all very possible that every single team could still stay up and every single team could still get relegated. It's the cliche that every point really does matter. And I just think that Chelsea have nothing to play for right now. So it's going to be a really tough watch. And we've been... We've been asking for this for quite a while, but... You just want to see some sort of commitment to the long-term Chelsea, to what Chelsea might be. And you want to see minutes being handed to players that are actually committed to Chelsea Football Club, that weren't trying to leave over the summer, that weren't trying to leave over January and that are going to be there next year. Now, the scale of how many players could leave Chelsea over the summer means that you're probably not looking at that many players, even for a 33-man squad. But you just want to see some sort of commitment to that. And if that doesn't happen, then it is still a, it's another another massive waste of the season. And Chelsea have been trying to find new ways to waste the season all year, basically. Yeah, no, exactly. Because I said, when, when Potter left that, any sense of future for this season sort of went out the window for me, regardless of what my feeling was on, on Potter, whether he should stay or should go, and, you know, the interim was basically just the Australia going season with them the hope that, you know, essentially once Real Madrid was gone and done and out of the way, barring a miracle, that, 
you know, you've got to plan next season to see these players. And now there's really no excuses not to see the likes of Noni Madueke, maybe Carney in some games, you know. Mudrick starting games seemed, you know, what we saw against Brian. I was disappointed not to see him start against Real Madrid midweek. And then obviously he comes on later in that game. There's not really excuse. You know, again, we know even talk about Reese James needs to be wrapped up in Cotton Wool because, you know, there comes There's a no... point in that first half where he just stops running. He's like, he's just walking pace. He's just playing walking football and he's just passing it around. And he's There's not no taking reason... his man on, you know. He doesn't need to play again this season. Yeah. And it's nothing against Reese James, but like you've seen the positioning of where he stands right now on the pitch. He's so narrow. He's not doing the work of a wing back anymore. He's doing the work of a midfielder that hasn't really got the legs to do it. He's just not the same player. And Chelsea have nothing to benefit now from playing Reese James again this season at all. Nothing whatsoever. So I don't I don't think we should see him in a Chelsea shirt again this season. Like I I like I I can't think of a single reason why he should play. Yeah, no, exactly. Maybe we we roll him out for Arsenal just to be party poopers, just for just for you know. But aside yeah. from that, there's genuinely very little. There's very little. That that's probably the only league game I actually sort of really really care about. We're raining this season, but yeah, it just just kind of sums up. Just you know, look look forward to next season. You know, just play players can be here, and yeah, just just look to the future. Um, so Tom talking about looking to the future, the Chelsea manager hunt. Chelsea head coach Hunt. That got interesting. That got very interesting yesterday. Yeah. Julian Nagelsmann, no longer in the mix. He was a skater boy. Todd said, see you later, boy. He wasn't good enough for him. He's gone. He's gone. Julian Nagelsmann is gone. The, the, seemingly, seemed the front runner. Obviously, you know, it's come out that, you know, he was never the front runner. He was, you know, just in the mix, etc. It seemed by all accounts he was a front runner, right? And that's him and Enrique gone. Is seemingly the last two. Enrique, I'm pretty sure, is, is done, right? He's, he's like out of the yeah, race. That's... It, it, it seems like it. So those I mean, two there, are out of the race. Tom. There was, sorry, oh. there was a point last week where all of the things coming out and it was like, well, it's going to be Julian Nagelsmann. Like, this is the worst kept secret. We all sort of knew this. At the start, it was Nagelsmann and in most people's mind, it was Pochettino and then it was Enrique and then it was company, Amarim, Glasner, everyone else, you know, Lampard, Jose Mourinho, Carlo Ancelotti, Zidane, you know, all of those names below that. Um, and then very quickly it became what people thought, uh, okay, exhaustive process, blah, 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 but it, it's Nagelsmann. You know, like, it's like all of these things. We're looking at loads and loads of managers, but it's Nagelsmann. He's not the favourite, he's not the clear front runner, the job's not his, but it's Nagelsmann, right? That's what it felt like, basically, since Potter left. And yesterday that all changed, right? And Enrique sort of went all of a sudden, you know, apparently down to sort of demands, maybe him wanting too much control. The Athletic have written that um, worries about him not managing a club since 2017 and only managing in Spain are an issue. And also the fact that he sort of potentially wanted to keep some players that Chelsea had sort of highlighted as on their way out. Um, Fair enough. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Pochettino, who'd sort of been on the periphery, comes back into the conversation yesterday. And now it seems like it's his job to lose almost. (laughs) It's all absolutely batshit crazy, really. Um, But that's Chelsea Football Club. I don't know what to make of it, really, because I was... I don't know. I don't know if I ever actually envisaged Julian Nagelsmann as being the next Chelsea head coach. I don't think I'd actually thought of that. I had thought about Enrique and I could see it and I had thought about Pochettino and I could see it, but I don't think 
I'd managed to form the image in my mind of Nagelsmann on the touchline. I don't know about you. Oh, I had. He was, he was my <laughs> number one. He was my number one. I was like, he is coming in, baby. Um, but yeah, he's gone. So, Tom, he's magic. You know, Maurizio Pochettino. <laughs> now, you say Pochettino has been my number one as well. <laughs> I know. The thing is, I have mentioned him on the pod. I mentioned him on the pod weeks ago when Paul was still judging. He's a name, but, you know, I'll take Tom. Let's get into this then. Pochettino, I like I like it, right? My concern is that the Spurs links, you know, the fact that ultimately fans, not me, but some, not us maybe, but some fans are going to be like, oh, the Spurs connection, ah, oh, you know, there's like, what's, there's just going to be, I feel like he's already from the start, he's facing a battle to win fans over. And it's different from Potter because Potter was replacing a popular manager. Pochettino is not replacing a popular manager. But he is trying to, but he is trying to still win fans over because of connections he's got to another club, and I guess why it's maybe different because I know Spurs have had Mourinho and Conte, but Pochettino, everyone is, everyone goes Spurs, whereas yeah. you know it's 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 different. Whereas Mourinho and Conte, you could probably go different clubs, right? You could go Conte, Juventus, Mourinho, Inter Milan, Real Madrid. It's it's all different, right? But with Pochettino, it's Spurs. And I yeah. think that's it's just, and it doesn't bother me this stuff. But it does, it does bother you know other fans, right? And I, that's my biggest worry is that him trying to, he's already it seems potentially facing a losing, not losing battle, but he's already got an uphill battle from the start to try and win fans over. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see this being a very big social media thing, and it obviously has been. There are lots of people that are saying I'm really quite anti this. I'm quite anti this Spurs thing. What's he done? What's he won? bottle this, bottle that, is he the right man for Chelsea, etc, etc and I understand those points I do wonder how Stamford Bridge will take to him because that's something that you don't really we don't have a feel of that until it happens Um, so I genuinely don't know how Stamford Bridge would take to him, I think it could be quite reactive, if Pochettino comes in and wins a couple of games at the start of next season, everyone will be behind him and it'll be, ha look what we can do. Spurs could never give you this. We're so much better. We've got money. We'll welcome you in. It's amazing. And all of that. And if he loses a few, it's, what are Chelsea doing? They've dropped down so many levels. We're hiring failed Spurs managers, et cetera, et cetera. That, the start of it might be quite results-based. And I've been speaking quite a lot with uh, Jam about this because he's quite sceptical. And he feels similarly about the fact that, you know, it's just, it's an another obstacle for Chelsea's next manager to overcome and the next Chelsea manager is going to have a lot of obstacles already. I don't care, personally. It's never bothered me. I mean, there was a period... I mean, whilst Chelsea were finishing, was it sixth or fifth under Conte in the second season, I was getting very, very jealous of Maurizio Pochettino's Tottenham. Whilst Chelsea were finishing... 10th in the league under Jose Mourinho hitting in 15-16, I was getting very, very jealous of Mauricio Pochettino's Tottenham. And I was thinking, wow, like, this is... That's a really special relationship that they had. And he's a really good manager who is getting the best out of a lot of players. And there's not that many teams I felt like that about. Um, So that gives an indication as to how pro Pochettino I, I am. Um, I am quite excited by the thought of it because I think in my head, 
he ticks a lot of boxes um, in terms of I wouldn't want to waste Julian Nagelsmann's time at Chelsea right now because I feel like the next person in at Chelsea does need to be somebody with a bit more experience, does need to be somebody that has a bit more know-how about them. And I tweeted yesterday, I don't want to get to Graham Souness, our league, what do they know about our league and all of that. But there is a distinct advantage to having Pochettino, who has managed in England, managed in London, managed with an ownership structure that works on the top down, has worked with young players and has improved a team against the wage bill structure of the Premier League. And I think that those things all fit what Chelsea need right now. And he he seems like quite a stable manager. Um, potentially the ceiling wouldn't be as high as some people would want, but I don't think that's a massive problem because I could see, you like we've got the Vincent Company links at the moment. If Chelsea were to do that, it just, it doesn't really make much sense um, because you're chucking in another young manager without experience in the Premier League, without experience in, well, no European football next season, but of that top, top tier as a manager into the most volatile position in world football at the moment, the most uncertain club with the most to sort out under the most scrutiny. And Pochettino is a person that, I don't think is going to get massively scrutinised if he was appointed as Chelsea manager. I don't really see the major questions over him. Um, People will point to failing at PSG, who doesn't fail at PSG. People will point to his trophies. Fair enough, I guess, to an extent. Um, But we're now seeing a lot of Maurizio Sarri revisionism, just to go on a slight tangent, which I'm finding quite funny. A lot of people are saying, we could have turned Sarri into a dynasty at Chelsea. We could have done this, could have done that. Meanwhile, while Sarri was at Chelsea, it was, this bloke's never won a trophy. Why do we want him? And now it's it could have been incredible. That makes me laugh. Um, and I will end quickly because I've realised how long an answer this has been. Um, but it makes me laugh that it's, oh, we could have turned into a dynasty under Sarri, but we're not willing to take Pochettino because he's not won anything. That That is just funny. Um, yeah, like Pochettino's the sort of bloke that comes in and all of a sudden people start going, oh, Chelsea have got a top manager here. We really liked Pochettino. I can very much imagine Neville and Carragher on a Friday night football going, Chelsea could be quite serious, you know, under Maurizio Pochettino. Whereas you take in a Nagelsmann, you take a company, maybe there's a bit more excitement, but there's also a bit more like, oh, wow, that's a risk. And Chelsea don't need any more of that. Chelsea don't need any more. That's a risk. I'll, I'll let you spurt some feelings out here. Yeah, look, I'll go to company first. You mentioned that is a bizarre recommendation to me. I don't doubt that he's done a great job at Burnley, and I don't doubt that he could go on to be a very good coach. But I'm just like, what? That, that, he's, that's a person with less experience than Potter. Like, what? Like, no, that would not excite me at all. Because also, like, respectfully, like, he's a Man City legend, and I know I don't care about that sort of stuff. But again, you know, he's already got different buy. You know, again, it's hard to buy him, because you might be thinking, well, but his dream job is the City job, right? Because you'd think that's... Anyway, but I, I just can't get, you know, that, that name is bizarre. And hopefully that's just like, you know, that, that just goes away quite quick because I don't doubt he could be a good coach, but that does not excite me at all. And Pochettino certainly excites me a lot more than that does. On Pochettino, look, the, the prospect of essentially Spurs' most loved manager in recent history coming to us and actually being able to do what he can't do then being successful, 
gives me so much potential joy, right? I literally messaged, I messaged my Spurs mate yesterday. I was like, he was like, I will cry for a week if he goes if he goes to Chelsea. Like, and and I've been upset when our former managers have gone to Spurs and they've not had the success there. But this is like a Spurs manager, and now it's the other foot, shoes on the other foot, and I'm kind of loving that potential idea. That's just me being a bit of a hater as well. But you know, in this season of all seasons, I thought you've got to be a bit of a hater to actually get enjoyment out of this season. Hence my my enjoyment uh, at Southampton getting something against Arsenal last night. But I digress. On Poch, look, you you look at the age of this squad, and I go, he's someone I'd be quite happy to to, to develop this squad. You see what he did to Spurs, what he did to the likes of Deli Ali. Harry Kane, et cetera, with that squad, you know, even like Eric Dyer to an extent, you know, that team he built was good. And I know people go, oh, Spurs, he didn't win anything. Yeah, but that's Spurs, like with the great respect. He actually got Spurs for the first time in my lifetime. I actually feared Spurs. Like I, under Redknapp for a bit in like 2010, they were like, they were a decent side, but I didn't really fear them. Under Spurs, Spurs under Poch, I genuinely feared them. Like, granted, they always did come short in the end, but there was an actual, there was a bit of a fear factor with them. I'm, I'm just I'm just looking it up. Here we go. Um, Pochettino's Tottenham finished seven points above Chelsea in 17-18. So Chelsea, the reigning champions under Conte, finished seven points above Chelsea that season um, under a massively reduced wage budget compared to the other teams in the league. And Chelsea haven't got more than the points that Tottenham got in that season in the six years since then so what Pochettino achieved at Spurs was far more than just like look remember where they were in 13-14 when he took over post Bale with a mess of a transfer with lots of like they spent their money really really badly I know it doesn't quite work out because the expectations at Chelsea are just higher but you cannot discount relative success because he has been incredibly successful yeah and look don't get me wrong. I I still think that Champions League run they go on is one of the flukiest of all time, right? I still think that's incredibly fluky. I mean, that they do game <laughs> and see that Ajax capitulation. Right? I will always hold a grudge against Ajax for that because they made me have to root for Liverpool in the Champions League final. But I digress. But at the same time, you talk about that that Spurs side. They also they also must have had some pretty decent mentality to come back from the situation they found themselves in in that Champions League campaign. And with that Champions League came, campaign, they nearly crashed down the group stages, right? They have to. They qualify on the last day, and they go and they beat City. You know, they knock City out, who are the Premier League champions that season. Go on a great, have a great season. They knock out Ajax, uh, and obviously the Champions League finals. The Champions League final. We know what happens there. And people go, Poch, like he didn't win anything at Spurs, right? But like no one wins anything at Spurs. Like Jose and Conte, more proven managers, went there and failed to win. And granted, I think Poch's Spurs side were better than the squad that Jose and Conte had there. But like. I'm not I'm not expecting Poch in the league to compete against like Guardiola's City, you know, and then to sort of a later extent Klopp's Liverpool. I'm not expecting him really to, to actually win a title out of those. The gripe you can have is, is the cup competitions, right, where they lost some semifinals, like they lost semifinals to us and they lost but semifinals to Jose's United. And I think, you know, if there's a gripe, 17-18, they probably should have won the FA. They probably should have gone on the FA Cup. They were easily capable of beating Jose's United and they would have been capable of beating Conte's Chelsea in the final, obviously, they lost Carabao Cup to, to Mauricio Sarri's Chelsea in 18-19. In they were obviously fools, but like, again, it's Spurs, and they were kind of a joke sort of club to, and, until he sort of came in. And what Tottenham have gone on to do post-Pochettino, as you say, even with what has become a worse squad, you can, or you can arguably say that has been down to some of the management post-Pochettino, okay. is that it, it's not like... They've gone on to become this incredible team. You know, like you look at the Potter to Zerbi thing and you think, oh, actually, 
maybe there was a level that this Brighton team could have gone to that Potter didn't get to. Maybe Chelsea were a little bit hasty. Whereas it's not the same with Pochettino at Spurs, where you're like, oh, Pochettino didn't get the best. He got blood out of a stone there. He did yeah. something with players that shouldn't, that, 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 like that, that shouldn't have really happened. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. And look, I get, and one of the things that kind of like confused me again when I read some stuff, people go, Pochettino, like, oh, I'm not excited by it. It's a bit boring. I'm thinking, like, when did we need managers to sort of be like, it's like, when do there need to be this sort of weird fan thing? Now, again, I don't know if it's just like a social media thing, because again, as Tom said, we can't really tell Gage till, you know, the reaction to actually, you know, Pochettino hypothetically takes charge of his first. Just again, but I kind of see this like, oh, he's boring. Like He's not an exciting appointment. Well, like, what is an exciting, exciting appointment, appointment anymore? Like, what we've gone mean? through so many coaches. And like, and at the same time, these people will, and at the same, in the same breath, a lot of these people go, Jose Mourinho, round three. And I'm like, is that exciting to you? <laughs> like, really? Pochettino's not an exciting appointment. But Jose round three, where we've got all, we know what he is. Like, that's exciting to you because of what? Because he's got some good, like, he's won a Europa Conference League with Roma and he's gone to the Europa League semi-finals. I don't doubt a good job. I and mean, we'll get on to Jose Mourinho in a sec. Like, I don't doubt a good job he is, like, doing a Roma. But this is what confused me. People go, like, Pochettino excitement is boring. It doesn't, like, some, And then they get excited about Jose Mourinho. Like... Yeah, yeah. I, like it just like, confuses me. Like, what do people like? Well, maybe, maybe again, excitement is different for everyone. Who knows? That just doesn't scream excitement to me. No, I I agree. It's like I understand the sort of tongue tongue in cheek Jose Mourinho bringing back. Oh, let's do part three. Blah blah blah. But when people are actually clamoring for Jose Mourinho, I do have to sit there and think. I read the piece. I think it was by James Horcastle the other day about Mourinho at Roma. And it basically said that he has taken over this club. Like, Mourinho is running Roma. Mourinho is Roma. And Chelsea do not want to be that club anymore. Chelsea do not want to be the club where the manager is the club. Yeah, but like Jose, with great respect to Roma, Jose is bigger than the club, so that can also work. But that's not going to be the case at Chelsea. Yeah, like, so so I don't see how it possibly works anymore. And I, I just find it slightly, slightly funny. Um I mean, I, I get caught going through Jose Mourinho pictures and just thinking, you know what? I'm just really like I watched the the Roma game the other day, and I was so happy. I was so yeah. happy to see Mourinho doing well. I was so happy to see Abraham playing well, and I thought, yeah, brilliant. Not again, please. We don't need this. And it's not. Thankfully, thankfully, it's not something that has ever actually been seriously considered. You know, it's, that we're not hearing that Jose Mourinho is actually ever going to really come back. But it again, it just shows me that this is something that I think is very social media based as opposed to actually Stanford Bridge based, which, you know, it, not saying that one is more worthwhile than the other or anything like that. But ultimately, the reaction to Stanford Bridge tends to be the one that is listened to more than ever, you know. Yeah. And I know, yeah, Tom, it just feels like a lot of people like, like, like we've seen a lot of just the idea seems better than. Like, the, the idea seems a better reality thing. I didn't even mention. Jarrell Felix, by the way. Can we just put that to midweek? Jarrell Felix, if ever you want a, a thing that encapsulated him in one moment, it's that, that moment against Madrid. He gets a ball, he turns, gets past, I think it's Modric or Cruz. I mean, he's got a pass to make, and he just gives it straight away. I you think know, he nutmegged them as well. Yeah, I think there's it, a It's so beautiful, and then he gives the ball away, and you just like, you know, for, that is an example. For reality, you know, being better. The idea, you know, being better than reality. And with Jose, like, 
I don't even get that feeling with Jose, the idea being better than reality. The idea is not appealing to me at all. No, no, it's not to me. But can I just say, I'm sorry for ever comparing Kathy to Jao Felix. I feel like I've absolutely done her a dirty one here. (laughs) As as the weeks have gone on, I feel like it's gotten worse and worse. Um, But yeah, no, Jose Mourinho part three to me is not particularly appealing either. Like, I'm sure it will be amazing for for a little bit, maybe. But I see no future where I want Jose Mourinho back at Chelsea, really. The thing is, like, with Jose, like, the trophies are what you buy into, right? The trophies are, like, what makes a good... every if And if there's not the trophies, it's not worthwhile, right? But the issue I've got with that is the Premier League is stronger than ever. His last job in the Premier League did not exactly go great. His first side by the end were playing some absolutely abysmal football. Manchester United petered out quite poorly. And again, with a great respect to to Syria and the Europa Conference League and the Europa League, there's a quite a big difference in quality between that and the Premier League. I just like Joe, like, like Mourinho is now competing against like tact- needed- tactical geniuses. Like the Premier League's level has never been never been higher, never been stronger. And Mourinho isn't some amazing tactical coach. He's a really good coach. He's a really good man manager. He's a bit like Carlo Ancelotti to that extent. He's now playing against people that will find ways around his defensive, pragmatic way of playing football. Um, and Mourinho doesn't necessarily have the answers to that um, anymore. And it's the sort of thing that I don't see how Mourinho gets the best out of Chelsea at all. Um, even in an ideal world, it's just not going to happen um the league has moved on football has moved on from these characters at the top level like there's a reason for it and I don't see another top top team really like going for him again like even with this Roma thing I don't think he's going to get a team in the top six of the Premier League again and I don't think he's going to get a team that are expected to go anywhere past even the quarterfinals of the Champions League again. It's, yeah. it's not going to happen. It's done. The only thing I could say is PSG, that's just because PSG are just a basket case of a football club. That would they, be funny. They have, no, they have no absolute, they have no idea what they want to be. That but, would be like, funny. But you can't imagine him going to like, you can't imagine a Bayern Munich approaching him. You can't imagine, you know, someone in the top six in Premier League approaching him. Like, it's literally PSG or essentially like Rome is, feels as good as got. And look, I like watching Jose Mourinho, this Jose Mourinho Roma side from afar. It's actually quite nice. Like I, like I genuinely, I'm rooting for them. I hope they win the win the Europa League. It would be quite nice, but I just like want it to stay there because Tom, trilogies can be so hit and miss. Yeah, right? don't get me started on the Matrix. See this, right? <laughs> See, I've actually got a list of some good and bad trilogies here, but I've right, and I have got the Matrix down there. And then obviously, there's the fourth one that came out. You know, this, was it December 2020? I never saw that one because apparently it was awful. It was but, really bad. It was yeah. really bad. But the point is, right, trilogies can be good, can be bad, but also they can sort of get worse over time. So look, some trilogies, Raimi's Spider-Man, right? That was my childhood. I loved them. The third one is also nowhere near as good as the first two. I think the third one gets a lot of unnecessary hate. Can I also say the third one, like that whole series for me is very nostalgia driven, which would be very... It, which even fits into the Jose, Jose Mourinho, Mourinho thing right? even better. The second one was the best, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Star Wars, you've got the prequels, you know. Revenge of the Sith is the best one there. So that would just come and go against it. So like Jose Mourinho, third time round is going to be the best version yet, which I don't think is likely. <laughs> I think we'd more likely be getting Phantom Menace Jose than we would Revenge of the Sith Jose, which is Revenge of the Sith Jose is, is Jose the first time round. 
Attack of the Clones is, is the second time around, and then Phantom Menace is, is is the third one, right? Like the Matrix. Like again, I think do they kind of the third one's not as good as the other two. Like it's good. It's like a good series, but I think it's not quite as good, right? The OG Star Wars, right? Jose Mourinho is not going to hit that level consistently, right? So that's pointless. No, it's not there. No, Nolan's Batman, Batman, we're not even considering because that is just a masterpiece. And like, <laughs> that, that, is, that is flawless, right? That, that is perfect. We're not even going to touch that, right? And also the Dark Knight Rises is definitely worse than the other two, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just stop, right? Goal. If anyone's seen the church goal, we do not talk about the third film. The first two are good. But what happens to Roz? What happens to... Well, does her, does her and Santi get back together? What's with the baby? No, we don't know because the third one's completely irrelevant to the story and it changes and it's a crime and an abomination. And it's one of my biggest, that annoyed me so much, that the ending, you know, oh, you know, the first two are good. The first one is clearly the best. The second one's not as good, but it's still good. Like, you know, which kind of sums up Jose's first one. The third one is abomination. Just know. The Pitch Perfect franchise, we're branching out to everyone here. The first one is clearly the best. And they gradually get worse, and the third one is comfortably the worst. I'm trying to say what which which other ones I put in. I mean Shrek. Shrek. The third one is not the best. The first <laughs> no, two. No, yes. it's not. Oh no, the no, first the sec- two. The first the sec- two. Yeah. The second one's the best. The fourth one I quite like, but also the video game for that was quite fun. I remember having the video game for the fourth one, Shrek Forever After, with Rob on Siltskin. That was quite fun, right? But Tom, we compare these films are trilogy. Obviously, I know Lord of Rings. I'm gonna annoy, I'm gonna alienate loads of listeners here. I've never watched Lord of Rings, so that's why I didn't have it in my list. But, but you look at that, right? Trilogies, right? Some good, some bad. Let's look at franchises. Some films with two films. Tom, The Incredibles. Oh, they are my favorite. Like The Incredibles is my my favorite film of all time. Right, and the, the second one came out in. It was a long wait for the second one, right? Like it was 14 good. Years or yeah, something. it was good. Now, for me, the first one I preferred because that's like nostalgia amount was charted. But the second yeah. one was still good. But I don't have a, a, a strong desire for a third one, right? Like, no, leave it at two. No need. Leave it at two. Blade Runner, right? The first one gets quite, I think, a lot of like criticism, but it was quite ahead of its time, right? That's kind of like the contest with it. And then Blade Runner twenty forty nine is like it's really good. And there's two films there. Let's, you know, leave it at. Jump Street with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill, 21-22 Jump Street. Great. But no one is clamoring for a third one. The point is, Tom, you know, sometimes two is enough. Two time, two doses of Jose Mourinho is like, enough. We do not need a trilogy. He's not. I've, there's not a world, I think, where, you know, the quality is as good as the previous two. So just I've leave just, it as it is. I've just got up the list that I had and that there weren't as many in there as I thought. Uh, Kung Fu Panda. I really liked the first two. I hated the third one. No need, no need for a third one. Albeit it's cartoon, so it's understandable. Johnny English, I, the, I mean, why? The first two were so good. I love both of them. They are like gold dust for me, and there's just no need for a third. The, the, my big exception to this is that How to Train Your Dragon is possibly the best trilogy of all time of any films. <laughs> but yes, that's a very good. Tri- but uh, you know, but can he, can Jose be that? But like, oh, see, this is the thing. Yeah. But again, though, do do you think though how you train your dragon? There is a drop off at all because in Jose there is a drop off from two to one, and I, is there much of a drop off oh, in House of Train? I don't, I don't know because the first one's so good. Yeah, I, I don't tough, think right? I don't think the second one is as good. I mean, they nail the whole ending for the third one. Like, yeah, the third one is a little bit like No Time to Die in the fact that it's like we know this is the end, so we're going to make it a really cinematic masterpiece ending rather than an incredible film that's that's how i'd leave that one yeah and look you know hbo are coming out with a new harry potter series right 
There's no need. There's no need. Harry We've Potter... had all the Harry Potter content. Exactly. And I and love like, Harry Potter. And Fantastic Beasts. I think I've only seen, I've seen the first two. I don't think I've seen the third one. But they're not as good. Don't, like, don't watch the third one. They're don't not, watch the third one. Right, exactly. Again, an example of a third one of a new, like, you see, trilogies, they're so hit and miss. And the, the old, the usage to go to the old ground is so, so unnecessary. We should do a film bros podcast. This is, this is it. This is, this is, this is what we should change to it's, over the summer. As yes, it, like there's no right. football, there's no re- decent football to talk about. We just need to talk about films. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Cause that's best. Cause well, how better to talk about Jose Mourinho and his potential, you know, it's return. There's no return. It, it's what, it's what social media wants. Been yeah, through, been through, been through, from, through the use of films. No, look, exactly. I mean, you know, we've gone long enough on Jose. Yeah. Tom, I guess, you know, we've mentioned a company would just be bizarre. Um, so it, I mean, it, who do you think the, um, the, 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 the there's this mystery surprise name? See, is this, again, was that, is mystery, this... was that mystery name, though, while Nargisman was still in the running? Or has that been after he was in running? Because if I don't know, like, is this just Ruben Amarim and he's just not been properly linked or something I, like that? Can I just say it? a wild one just because it, it would just be funny and I've got no real attention? Spalletti from Napoli just just <laughs> just for the narrative of us having to go to De Laurentiis again and price yeah we'll oh. give you Koulibaly <laughs> yeah so we give you Koulibaly for for De Laurentiis yeah no like I don't know again that would yeah I mean right at this point it's Poch right surely Poch Poch it's his to lose you know he can't I he mean, can't bottle this Tom he can't the, bottle this oh. the last the last time we were on a podcast we were talking about Graham Potter and then was it within 24 hours it, it had been made kaput and everything we'd said was basically not worthy. Yeah, so, um, 24 we've hours. Probably, yeah. We've probably just done, we've probably just put a nail in Pochettino's coffin of hoping to come to Chelsea. This is probably it. He, it'll be done within 24 hours. So, hey, loads of listeners fine. are going to be delighted with this because they were, well, Poch, they're going to be annoyed at our pro Pochettinus. Conte, <laughs> Conte will be back by the time, uh, <laughs> the time we're done. Oh, dear. But, yeah, some, some manager chat. It's interesting. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tom, I guess point is, it needs to be properly announced. And the fact that we have struggled under Frank and there's essentially been no bounce at all, probably means that the desire or need for it to be accelerated is that a bit greater now because yeah the idea of the bounce from frank and the joy that would bring has been pretty short-lived right there's not like there's no disrespect to frank we kind of knew that what we were going to get wasn't going to be amazing but there's just been so little so there's literally just been nothing really to to, to take away or enjoy from his time back so far yeah so, so th- this will be my parting take chelsea I don't think are as far... I, I'm an optimist. I don't think Chelsea are as far off 
being in a position where they can compete, not with the top, well, one, not with Man City. No one's near Man City. I don't think Chelsea are far off being in a position where they can compete strongly with the other top four contenders again. That That's the first stage. Like the top, the, the battle for the top four right now is as strong as it's probably ever been. And I don't think Chelsea are a million miles away off that if they get things, <clears throat> sorry, if they get things right over the summer. A lot of this for me depends on what actually happens over the summer. If Chelsea don't clear out half the names and they end up next season with, you know, I don't know, we won't end up with 30 players on the squad, but if Chelsea get it wrong and don't get rid of the underperforming, overpaid players that should have been shifted on years ago or not even signed, then any manager is going to have a big problem. But we saw last season uh, Manchester United appointed Eric Ten Hag a year ago yesterday. That's when he was announced. And Ten Hag was still managing Ajax, had a chance to really get a head start. And I did a piece on this for Football London, looking at Chelsea and their managerial appointments over the years. And in general, an early appointment correlates with a better first season performance, like Jose Mourinho in 2013, was done extremely, extremely early. Antonio Conte was announced before... Well, I don't know if it was announced before the World Cup or before it was just known before... Yeah. Uh, oh, the Euros, sorry, in 2016. Obviously, then Maurizio Sarri basically had about 10 days to get the squad going before the season. Like, so, And in, in general, like Frank Lampard, again, it was something that was known relatively early. So there is a general correlation here between being prepared for the season and giving a manager a full preseason and getting that preseason right. Um, so if Chelsea can do this and make the announcement within the next couple of weeks, it also brings fresh excitement towards the squad of the players that are hoping to still be there. It's almost like, not quite the clean slate, because there's not going to be a clean slate for a lot of them, but it's almost like a pre-assessment for lots of players, you're looking at your Conor Gallagher's and Trevor Chalabers and, I don't know, potentially Chukwameka, Mudrik, Madueke, people like that that are definitely going to be in and around the squad or, you know, angling for a first-team position next season. It gives them something to fight for between now and the end of the season. And if Chelsea can get that done, it it just adds a little bit of meaning towards the rest of the campaign. But if this sort of goes on for too long, it's going to get boring. It's going to get toxic. Chelsea fans aren't going to be happy because I don't see results improving massively. And our run-in is bad. We've got a lot of good teams. We've got, was it three of the top four? Man City, all of the top four, all of the current top four anyway. Um, It's going to be tough. So Chelsea need to give themselves some excitement. They need to give whoever the new manager is the benefit of a Pochettino right now is that he's not in a job. He he, he will he could potentially even come to the training ground and oversee what's going on towards the end of the season. He can liaise with Frank Lampard. There, there is room for optimism uh, that a lot of people won't feel, understandably. But I don't think Chelsea are a million miles away from getting things right if they get the summer right and if they get this appointment done nice and early or get an announcement done nice and early ahead of the preseason. Like the manager coming in, last game of the season, watching on from the stands and sending the players away for the preseason break and saying, come back and be ready for me. This is my plan. This is what we're going to do. That can all be quite inspiring and it can really 
get Chelsea off to a good start for next season. Um, something that we massively missed out on last year when the summer was all a little bit all over the place and delayed due to the sanctions and everything. There's no excuse not to have much better preparation this summer. Yeah, no, no, exactly, exactly. And look, what I will also say, Poch, one of the other complaints that I saw people goes, oh, you know, Chelsea will become like a, a top four club. Like, that's what we've been since 2017, people. Like, it, you know, and also Chelsea being a top four club under Poch, isn't necessarily a bad thing at the start, given that we, you know, going to have just had a season outside the top four and that he can build. And look, ultimately, I think he can, he can come and he can be a success. And as I said, I think it's crucial we get, you know, it announced quietly. We cannot afford to have what Spurs had and just have like a, was it a 70 odd day search for a manager only to get your seventh choice or whatever? Yeah. Like, and look, like people, Nagelsmann was my first choice, right? But as it's come out, Nagelsmann, you know, did not, you know, did not fit, you know, kind of seemed to be, didn't want to have to, you know, have to do all these like different interviews. He was also a bit, you know, concerned about, you know, the direction of the club was in structure. Again, understandable, but it kind of seemed from both sides there were just, you know, too many, too many differences, right? And as we've kind of seen with Tuchel, but if you're not going to have that, then it's probably not going to work. And I know people will be still, you know, still annoyed at, you know, the, the, the removal of Tuchel, but even if we'd stayed, there would still have been a point where it wasn't going to last, right? So, Against me, and it's crucial Chelsea commands. And just because, like, if Portuguese also, can I say, Tom, my fun point, the whole yes man thing again, I see on social media also just annoys me so much. Like, it's just again it's one such... of these stupid phrases, like buzzword phrases. Like, what defines a yes man to you people? Is it just like essentially just you disagree with the decision? Like, is that what makes him a yes man? Like, I'm, like, so... I'm sorry, but does does a manager willing to be streamlined within? A structure from the ownership does that mean that you're a yes man because that it's a joke it's it is it's another buzzword that doesn't mean anything yeah no indeed and again it's why just hopefully this managerial appointment can just happen relatively soon so i can just you know just because again it's i'm already kind of a ball of a manager hunt to be brutally honest and certainly you know yeah. tracking it through through online and social media it can be quite quite giant but look folks you know some real madrid chat some next manager on who's it going to be? Nagelsmann is up a race. Is it going to be Pochettino? It may well be Pochettino. I don't think it's going to be company. Ruben Amarim, who knows? I'd be surprised. I reckon it's Poch. It's Poch's to lose, I reckon. Uh, you know, so, so get That's excited. what I would think right now. And I, I am excited, but again, yeah. I completely understand why people are finding it incredibly yeah. hard to be excited. Yeah. As I said, he was not my first choice, but. I still like the idea and I've still mentioned weeks ago that he was a name uh, that, you know, would interest me. Um, so look, uh, and I think there's a lot of potential, potential there too. Obviously the questions will be, is he the man to deliver big trophies? But if he can still be that man to lay the foundations and someone else to come in and take yeah. over later, that can also be fine. And we, ultimately we thought Potter was going to be that. He was not able to be that, but if Pochettino can be that, that's fine. That's, Even as uh, Tom mentioned earlier, agreed. we can have like a Brighton, you know, a Deservey from you know, Potter to Deservey transition, even if Poch, you know, is is the grand Potter in this at Brighton and we get that appointment right. But if he can just help clear up a bit of a mess, put us in a, a decent position moving forward, then we'll just see. As I said, I think there's, you know, Pochettino, I think there's, there's, there's a lot more certainly to be excited by than people would be than when Potter was appointed. So, and and again, like on the, the thing, PSG, like, oh, he didn't, you know, PSG like everyone wins PSG he's like yeah but you're also hounding him for not winning at Tottenham like he he doesn't win he can't he it's his fault he wins it's his fault like 
it feels, you know, just in general, some of the criticism I see is a, is a little bit unfair. It's, but... I feel like it's one of those things, like, it's very, very forced. And yeah. there are understandable criticisms of Maurizio Pochettino and of most managers, because no manager's perfect, no player's yeah. perfect. Um, but for me, the Tottenham thing isn't one of them. PSG isn't one of them. Right, there because if we, if we there. take PSG, then, like, what does Tuchel, what did Tuchel have going for him, right? Like, when yeah, we appointed like, him, if we take PSG out. And there are lots of people, like, bigging up Nagelsmann in, in some states are... I need a charismatic manager that's really good at man managing. And I'm like, okay, but Nagelsmann's not, Nagelsmann's not that guy, like, so far. He's not that guy. Sorry to, you know, dump on yeah. your dreams at the moment, Nick, but, like, that that's not one of his big benefits. Yeah, right and now. also, for people going, Nagelsmann, like, again, like, he's not won anything till Bayern, and everyone wins at Bayern. So, again, it's just, like, one of those things, right? Like, you, 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 you hold different people to different standards, and certain things apply to some, but not to others, right? Because that's the way that people want to make their argument. Yeah, and exactly. It's just it, it doesn't really help the situation at all. Exactly. It doesn't help like, the discourse. You know, exactly. Like I like Nagelsmann, but he, what big clubs he managed other than Bayern? You know, I like I, you know also like Poch. What other big clubs he managed other than PSG? Both were quite successful there. Like, yeah. it's just one of those, right? And as said, Poch is as managing Premier League. He got he whatever people think of his time at Spurs and you know the fact that he maybe should have won stuff, he still made Spurs essentially the most scary team they've ever been in my lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> genuinely, the, and that was genuinely appointment under Pochettino. Certainly in seventeen eighteen, where I thought Spurs are a better team than us. That yeah, was a genuine is... point when I where I actually where I actually felt that Spurs are a better than a better team than us, which was which was scary in itself. But look, we shall leave it there. It's been around an hour long for you folks today. Enjoy your Saturday. Um, I will just do a quick little bit before I go. Those who long-time listeners of the podcast will know that I used to host this pod with Jack. Jack's not been around this season because he's been busy with a number of things. One of those things has been training for the London Marathon, which is running tomorrow. Uh, so I will be there supporting him. I will leave a link to his just uh, to his page in the description below. If any listeners, um, if, if you want to donate, I know Jack would greatly appreciate it. If not, no worries at all. But the link will be there if people want to do it anyway tom before you go i'll give yourself one last plug where people can find you and all your work yeah so once again uh on twitter if you want some uh, pochino propaganda then uh either go to or avoid at tom coley 49 uh on twitter and uh as a cheeky little plug for the blue crew podcast as well we do weekly pods covering chelsea as well um tending to be a little bit less an- analytical much less pop culture references uh and we try to be positive but uh, it's quite hard at the moment as uh everyone knows uh so that's at the blue crew pod one on twitter and then football london for all of my written work as well uh yeah thank you very much nick uh enjoyed getting those things out of the air but as i said knowing how we usually do this this will be out of date before it even goes out probably yeah, well, you know, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed it doesn't, because I would be quite nice for, for a good episode not to just be completely undermined by, by Chelsea. <laughs> um, I'm still really bitter about that last one we did, Tom. Anyway, uh, as for us, yeah. we're on Twitter, about Chelsea Pod, Instagram, about Chelsea Pod, we're on all usual podcasts, platform providers, Apple, Spotify, etc. If you're not subscribed already, give us, you know, subscribe, follow whatever the various platforms tell you to do. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please leave a five-star rating review. And if you've not, just keep it to yourself. Hey, if you, if you are not a fan of the Pochettino, uh, you know, love that we've got from Ben, then fair enough. Just keep that, you know, keep that to yourself. Don't, don't give us a negative review because that, and Hey, if you've loved, if you want more 
movie references and I just then stick here, stick here. This is the podcast. Who doesn't want more movie references? Exactly, exactly. I mean, exactly. Who doesn't view football through the prison of movie and cinema? It's on geez, what, what weirdos don't do that? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, so Jack's link will be in the description below as well. But look, until the next episode, everybody, keep a blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.